I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Thursday. Giannis scores 47, but Milwaukee loses to Phoenix. How good is this Milwaukee's Bucks team? We'll get into it. Speaking of the Bucks, Tampa Bay had their championship parade. Now, if we look at next year's odds, 8-1 to one for Tampa Bay. Kansas City's better. Green Bay's worse. A lot of people disagree with both of those. We'll get into how good Tampa Bay is going to be next year. Speaking of next year, Carson Wentz, there's a report the Colts offered a second, third, and fourth round pick. Right now, the Colts are 25-1 to to win the Super Bowl, only the 14th favor. Here comes a full hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Thursday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Boy, this is a this is a fun time of the year because yeah, we're getting into the NBA and we're going to talk a little bit about the Bucks later and Giannis, but even more so, we know what the the prize is. The prize is the Super Bowl trophy, throwing it in the lake, let's say, or over the lake into the next boat. That kind of excitement and fun you only have that you only see that and it's beautiful to see in grown men just the pure joy of it after the Super Bowl when the team wins it and now there's all the machinations and all the the battling to see who's going to get this quarterback who's going to get that quarterback and we're going to be breaking that all down sports betters listen for the money sports fans listen to no more than their buddies we're the pros he's the joe in la jonas knox always good to be here rj and yes on a day in which we've got some news on the schedule for major league baseball we've also got a double header on tnt in the nba what is the vegas lead here on this thursday the story that matters the most to me is how good is tampa bay we saw the celebration and literally, I heard people, and the odds right now say Kansas City's number one favorite at six to one. Tampa Bay number two, eight to one. Green Bay number three, 10 to one. So it's almost exactly, you know, two slots. So six to one, two slots is eight to one, two more is 10 to one. I've heard people say, no way should Tampa be over Green Bay. And I've heard people say, no way should Kansas City be over Tampa. Let's start there in general with Tampa Bay's victory and what it means now. But I'm going to tell you right now, Jonas, at the end of this, 
I think most people are thinking incorrectly about Tampa. And once we establish that, I think it's going to change the conversation. Yeah, and they are probably a little bit hungover, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> they had a boat parade in Tampa on Wednesday. A lot of partying. Tom Brady looked like he was bending the elbow a little bit. They were tossing the Lombardi trophy, having a good time. And you even had Bruce Arians, their head coach, talking about how they were going to come back and do it again. So a lot of confidence there being shown by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, some people say Bruce Arians drank less yesterday than a typical day. I, I'm not saying that's true, though. And again, not he's just is known to be able want to have fun. Might be the right way to say it. And uh, you know, it's funny. You got two types of drinkers, right? That that drink hard. The kind that are drinking hard and having fun. And then the guys that sit in a dark room with bourbon. You know, Bruce Arians never struck me as that that dark room and the bourbon type. Yeah. So that's a good thing, I think. All right, here is the premise that changes the conversation. The Tampa Bay Buck team last year, the Tampa or that Tom Brady joined, very different team than played in the Super Bowl. Right? Even though if you say Tom Brady was on the team at the beginning of his first day, it was like, well, Antonio Brown, Fournette, go down the list, Gronk. A lot of people say Tom Brady was effectively the de facto GM. I don't know about that. And this Jason Light fellow seems to be, I don't know much about it, seems to be sharp, drafts well. But what we know is this. Whatever appeal Tampa Bay had to bring in free agents, to bring in people who just had the right to choose where to go, these players, I think that goes way up. To whatever degree a 43-year-old Tom Brady off a bad season had appeal. The Super Bowl champions with Tom Brady off a good season have much, much more appeal. Jonas, do you generally agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Because they look like... They're focused. It's not like the Philadelphia. When Philadelphia won the Super Bowl, there was this talk about, man, we'd rather have fun. We just want to have fun. I didn't get that same impression from Philadelphia that I get from Tampa Bay. This is a team who has fun, but they're going to get the work done first. I think Brady's largely responsible for that. And I think people like playing for Bruce Arians. Um, it's a different way. It's it's Florida, uh, the weather, all of that stuff. I think they're building something how long it lasts. I I don't know, but I think this offseason, they're going to become much more desirable for a lot of people. To quote the Blues Brothers, we're on a mission from God. And in the Blues Brothers, the assumption was, okay, they were trying to, I think if I recall, make uh, gather enough money to save some theater or whatever it was. But when you have a mission, people buy in. I don't care how much, how good intention people are, if they don't know what they're buying into, like if you read leadership books and business, Number one always is you got to define your mission. Because if you don't know what the mission is, no one can buy into it. Tampa Bay's on a mission. It's to win. Now, will that mission, would that last for four, five, six years? No. People get millionaires, get tired of hard, hard work for some mission that may or may not happen. But for a year or two, even people of mild commitment can buy in, especially if everyone around them is buying in, right? It's peer pressure to some degree. And that's why they always say you can have one bad guy in the locker room, but you don't want to have two because now they're together, right? And they're not alone with it. To me, Tampa, Brady came in through a force of will, and no doubt about it, he changed the culture. 
I think that it's easier with the ring on now to say, let's get another one, especially since Kansas City just failed at that, especially considering there hasn't been a repeat champion since, what, 2004? Yeah. So it's been you know 17 years plus. It's a hell of a mission. Right, and Brady only is on a two-year deal. The idea of now he may get a, a resign or however he does it, extend him. But as of right now, to walk in and win two titles would be a it'd be, I don't know, would it make the story what? So everyone said it's a good question, Jonas. I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. So Tom Brady had a certain level of esteem as the goat entering this season. He won his seventh, and that went up some amount. If he won again next year, would it go up more than it did with the seventh? Less or about the same? I think you could make the case it goes up more than it did this time, because winning two in a row is at least twice as impressive. Yeah, I would agree. I was actually thinking about this. At what point during Michael Jordan's run did they consider him the goat? Like it was it was it after the sixth? Was it and and I'm too young no, to remember what that was conversation there. was like. Yeah. So when did that happen? Was it after the first three? So Jordan was a strange situation where he had all the love of a Patrick Mahomes without the title. Let's say Mahomes didn't win last year, which is very possible. You know, they were only what about 15 percent to beat the 49ers at a given point in the fourth quarter of that game. Let's say they would have lost. Would people think Mahomes was much worse? Because in theory, it was one or two passes. So in th- logically, they should think he's about the same, right? The people that love him, even if he had lost last year. Yeah. That's Jordan before the first title, where he was known as the best player in the league. He was known perhaps as the most talented player ever to play, but he hadn't won. But there was almost like a Dominique Wilkins love for him, a George Gervin love. Those guys never won a title either, but they were super talented. And he was flashy. Like, remember, before, and, and this is something in The Last Dance that they did really well, I think. Before the Air Jordans, there really wasn't a celebrity shoe spokesman at, at that level. Magic and Bird had the Converse deal, but it was very small compared to what Nike did. So Jordan became like this really manifestation of the new age of basketball, the new age of media. And a lot of old-timers didn't like it. They did not like it. And then he won the first three. And at the end of that, there was a sense of, all right, now, the guy is clearly the best player, and he wins. It's hard to complain. So at that point, I think the general consensus would have been, that's the best player of all time, after the first three when he came back after the break and won three more, and then finally with the Utah. And, and I think the last dance did such a good job of showing how tough that last season was. I mean, Scotty Pippen's not engaged, and Rodman's old. Whoever wants to act like Jordan had this great supporting cast, maybe at various points, that last title was his force of will. And that plus the 72 wins, it was just such a barrage I mean, it was no one even debated it at the yeah. end of that. I would say before the three, about 60% of people had Jordan as the best. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, yeah, no. And that's that's what I've been thinking because with Brady, I considered him the best after that win against Atlanta in the Super Bowl. When he got number five, I thought, okay, he's the greatest of all time. Then he got the one against the Rams. 
And the way that that game played out, I don't think people took as much away from that game as they did the one he got on Sunday. I think his first one in Tampa was mm. actually more important than his last one in New England. Oh, I think you're so right. Yeah. Because, I mean, one, it was away from Belichick. Yes. Right? Two, it was at 43. Yeah. Because to whatever degree we want to say 41, which would be two years before that, right, with the Rams, is impressive. We've seen 41-year-olds. Yeah. You know, like we said, and we reported this, or not reported it, but we had the data, I guess, presented first, which is Tom Brady this season had more passing yards and more touchdowns and more wins as a 43-year-old than every other 43-year-old in the history of the universe combined. So he was in uncharted territory this year. Forget making the playoffs. Forget winning the Super Bowl. To do it in a way that everyone else, it would have been really like Jordan. As much as I agree that Jordan's legacy should not be tarnished by the Washington time, where I think that last year he scored 20 yeah. a game, which actually adds a little bit to it. Yeah. If he would have won a title in Washington, it would have been, I think, comparable. Agreed. Though Brady was smart enough to go on a very talented 7-9 and nine team, I think what Brady's done. I mean, listen, the odds were 15 to 1 in around Thanksgiving. I mean, it yeah. was like very unlikely around Thanksgiving that he would even make it to the conference championship. I had a buddy who got him at 11 to 1. And what time was that? It was during the season. It might have been after the Chiefs loss. Okay. But it was during right. the season. It was later in the season, and he got it, I think, at 11-1 to 1 or 12-1. to 1. But it's also, if you're arguing Jordan versus LeBron, the Jordan argument is going to be the number of titles. The LeBron argument is going to be the number of places he won titles. Well, Tom Brady's got mm. both. So Tom See, Brady wins both those arguments. Yes, except I think the LeBron one is ass backwards. I can say that, right? Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) I'm not one to press the line on that (laughs) stuff, but all right, I'm going to do it ass backwards. And here's why. LeBron sits back at any given time. It's almost like, I don't see why people don't see this. It's like, okay, it's like, imagine that you're trying to have the prettiest wife. Like That's the only thing we're measuring it by. And you go to an annual event where all the women show up and you decide, all right, my current wife aged a little bit. Forget you. Good luck, hon. Uh, Oh, she's new. I'll go with her. Now, the guy that has the prettiest wife that changes wives every year probably isn't as much of an accomplishment as if you have (laughs) one you're in love with for many, many years. And she's To me, that is obviously... In, in a way, I think the analogy works because you're supposed to love your team. You're supposed to, you know, and I know that's not the modern way, right? We don't care about the teams, right. except w- as much as LeBron's a big name, he's going to retire one day. And you know who doesn't retire? The Boston Celtics, the L.A. Lakers. I don't know how sustainable and durable loving players is, but what I know for sure is winning what Belichick did going 7-9 and nine, didn't impress me as much as what Tampa Bay did. But if Tampa Bay had lost in the second round, which was very possible to the Saints, I would have said Belichick staying put and going 7-9 was comparable to that because Brady got to go to the place that had the best team without a quarterback. LeBron, you think he went to the Lakers because of what? (laughs) Because he knew that he could put together. And then not only did he go to an existing team with players, he then gets to cherry pick around the league who he gets. I mean, it's a hell of a win he had, but I don't see how that's any... If Jordan would have went after the sixth, 
when he was only, what, 36, 37? If he would have went to the best team in the league at that point and won a title, would that have been more impressive? No. No, and and also— isn't that what LeBron did? Yeah, that's the, and he did that and, and going back and forth and switching sides and doing all that. And also the, the Jordan argument has always been his time in Washington. People go, well, he didn't have the titles. But to your point, he did score 20 a game. And in his final year, he played in all 82. 82. So that's I mean, the accomplishment. That yeah. that was a hurt. And that was almost like Jordan on the bus kind of thing where there wasn't that. The first year, there was a lot of excitement. but And you were old enough to remember this. But also, because he retired once before – People kind of expected yep. it, and, and and then he wasn't as good. All right, that year before that, you know, there were two years in Washington. The penultimate year, the next to last year, really wasn't a great year for him. Right, right? and he only play, he missed like twenty games, and he said, "I'm going to get in shape and do this right," and he did. So I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. So to me, cherry picking around the league, and and then let's say this: he left Cleveland and went to a better chance to win, right, with the big three. Yes. Then he left the big three and had a better chance to win in Cleveland because of Kyrie and the 100%. number one pick. Yeah. Then he left and went to the Lakers and he had a better chance to win. Maybe not the first year, but they were trying all kind of moves that didn't work the first year. But they knew there was a handshake. Come on. I think allegedly we'll say there was a handshake deal <laughs> that, that, that AD was going to go there. So I don't blame him for winning, but let's kind of make sure we understand what the level of difficulty is versus a guy that stays in one place the entire time and somehow Pippen picked 15th from Central Arkansas State is supposed to be the sign that, oh, it wasn't until Pippen that he was able to beat the bad boys? Come on. With the team he had, if he would have beat – remember, the, to me the most telling part, last thing on Jordan, was when Larry Bird, who at the time was probably him and Magic, the best player in the game – said that wasn't Michael Jordan, that was God disguised as Michael Jordan. <laughs> if Larry Bird says that, like three years, four years before uh, Michael wins a title, yeah, he was pretty good. No one's saying that about any of the young players today. And that was in a game the Celtics won. That was game five, I think, yeah. of their playoff. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think Jordan put up 63. Yeah. And remember, now that I think about that, that was Jordan's second year. And that was when he came back risking his career to play when the team barely was going to make the playoffs. Yeah, he actually, they got, Jordan got swept in that series. But even after getting swept, because it was the old three game, it was old best oh, of was five. Was that a sweep? Okay. Yeah, okay. and the Celtics swept him. But even after that series, that's when Larry Bird complimented him. That was a team that they had just swept, and he was so blown away by that guy's performance, nowhere close to 100% that he had those comments. Yeah, and listen, Larry Bird... I mean, remember, if you want to see something that now has kind of got lost in history, and he talked about in the last dance, Larry Bird coached the Pacers not long after he retired. It would have been like, what, 95, 96, 97. Yeah. And he coached them three years. And the last year was when the Jordan, they went to Game 7 against Michael. It was Michael's last year, too, with the Bulls, I think, now I think about it. And it's where... There was a shot that went up with the whole se- – I think it was game six or whatever, and Larry Bird was watching it, and the ball went in, so the Pacers won, and his face didn't change. Like Literally, if, he, if, if, if nothing had happened or the shot just went in and he just walked up – like Larry Bird has alligator blood, man. Yeah. And he did as a player, he did as a coach, and for him to say something that's hyperbole like that, that's so over the top, uh, you can believe it. You can believe it for sure. And, and last thing for me, Jonas, on this is 
anyone to me that debates LeBron over Michael either wasn't there, and I get it. At some point, you know, less and less people were there, right? But meaning, you know, cognizant of it, whatever. And the reason was, if you're playing LeBron, you're never afraid that you can't win. Remember, Colin right here on FSR about six weeks before the finals said the Lakers can't win. I mean, so Colin's a smart NBA observer, and he said, I don't think this Laker team can win the title. They're done. And he was almost doing a post-mortem on them. It wasn't that long you know, before the finals, maybe six weeks, eight weeks. No one thought that it was a foregone conclusion. The fact the Lakers won, even though it wasn't a foregone conclusion, let's give them credit. That's awesome. But when you went against Michael, you just didn't think you could win. I rooted against the Bulls the whole time. For whatever reason, at the time, I was a Larry Bird guy. But, you know, even though he was retired at this point, I just, Michael was the guy, the new age, and I was with the old school, and even as a kid, I guess. And you just didn't think you could win. And I can promise you this, the the Warriors didn't think they couldn't win against LeBron. I don't think any, the fact he's only won three of, uh, you know, uh, ten or or however that, what, it's a three of the ten or four of the ten? Four of the ten. Yeah, which, listen, four titles is great. Congratulations. But the idea that you he's below 50% in the finals, and when Michael lost against the Magic the year he came back with like 15 games to go, everyone I knew looked around and goes, what happened? Like at the time, you couldn't believe that he yeah. lost. And, and they're just – I don't know if there's been a player like that in any sport since. And to me, that's why and, – and you think about the way the people of that era who played him talk about him. Yeah. It's like – we couldn't beat him. And it's like, who is like that? Bill Russell was like that and Jordan. Closing thought. Yeah, no, nobody struck fear like Jordan did. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it was like one of those uneasy feelings. And it's probably the same way when, you know, Brady's got one drive. You know, Brady's got the ball. They've got a drive and there's there's two minutes left and he's got the ball at his own 25-yard line. You just don't feel good about it if you're the other team. And, and it's the same thing with Jordan. I think you'd be right if somehow he had won both those Giants games. Because, again, you could never – Michael just never would lose that. And even right. when he didn't win it, there was only, there was never a time that he didn't win it that he played a full season. So from the time he won it first to the end with the Bulls, he won it every time he played a full season. All right, when we come back, speaking of the changes from then to now, player empowerment, where does it end? And I think we have an example here of it going just wild, and I'm not sure if it hasn't gone too far. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will get into the player empowerment offseason that is the NFL. And I'm not going to be afraid to say the players are sometimes greedy. I know all the hosts want to be part of the working class millionaire players. But you know what? Sometimes they are greedy. And you know what? Sometimes the owners are greedy. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Our audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you for the support. We had a great best football season yet. We're going to make it the best March Madness yet. 
You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. Right here in Vegas on the strip. 71 degrees, the neon is flowing. It's RJ, we've been talking about the quarterback carousel in the NFL, and there are some unhappy quarterbacks, and leading the way is Houston's Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and just to wrap up what we were talking about real quick with, uh, it's funny, if we had to run down for the show, it'd be uh, Michael Jordan, like six minutes of talk, like out of nowhere. <laughs> I liked it, I liked it. But um, when Larry Bird had the stone face, it was... Uh, he was um, Papa's years back up. It was 98 through 2000, 2000 he was a coach. And that was 98, his first year. And it was Reggie Miller made it against the Bulls in game four. The series was uh, – and it tied it 2-2. So it was a mighty important shot. And, again, this was against Jordan his last year, and he was stone-faced. I mean, check it out on YouTube. Uh, it, it really – alligator blood is all you can say. Yeah. So – and to kind of wrap up the point on Tampa – I believe we don't have any real idea of what Tampa's team's going to look like come playoffs next year because the appeal of anyone that can choose to go there, the appeal of Tampa will be great. And just like we see in the NBA, if you're judging the Brooklyn Nets right now, you're making a mistake. You should judge them, but understand when the buyouts happen and all that, they're going to be able to get in a way their pick of players. And they can fill in the holes there. So whenever there's a chance of a fundamental change to the makeup of a team, as a batter or as a fan, you got to account for that possibility. I think Tampa arrow up. And I would say the following, and then we'll get right into Deshaun. Jonas, if I had told you that I think Tampa Bay has more of a right to be the favorite than Kansas City, or another way to ask the question is, Make the case that Kansas City, who's 6-1 to one and the favorite to win the Super Bowl, why should they be the favorite over Tampa, who's 8-1? to one? What would your case be if you were being the advocate for Kansas City? I would just say how loaded they are on offense and their youth uh, and their experience. And then I would point to well, – They have you know, youth and experience? Or, yeah, just experience getting – making deep playoff runs. But they've got youth to where they're going to be, you would think, healthy and they're going to – they've got a lot of years left and, and all of that. But I felt after the game – and we were doing the post-game show here on Fox Sports Radio and, and Brady Quinn and I were talking about how if you just look at it, Tampa should be the favorite. Just that's what I'm saying. On, yeah, it just it didn't. That's what was a little bit surprising. I think there's this, this assumption that Tom Brady still is going to break down, or the age is still an well, issue. Well, he's going to break down at some point. But why would even if he dropped off twenty percent? If the rest of the team get, could, could make up for right. that, I think pretty easy. I mean, who's had more issues with injuries the past couple of years? Patrick Mahomes in his twenties or Tom Brady in his forties? Well, I mean, listen, Mahomes looked like uh, he looked like. Um, I don't know, Sugar Ray after fighting uh, Hearns. I mean, he, right. he looked like he took a beating. Right. And again, I really believe it's very possible we saw the first version of the rest of Mahomes' career, which is, listen, RG3, and, and we do not hope this at all on anyone, uh, Mahomes or not, is RG3 was better than Andrew Luck his rookie season. That's all there is to it. He won yeah. the rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, and he had better stats. And then all of a sudden, he literally can't. He's not even a viable backup in the NFL. And he's not that old. It happens. And here's what we also know about Mahomes. 
he was taken 10th in the draft for a reason. Right? It wasn't 20 years ago. It wasn't 50 years ago when they didn't have any technology. The draft has been a billion-dollar endeavor collectively for a long, you know, at least since Mahomes got drafted. And nine teams said, no, thank you. And I get they were wrong, but there was a reason they decided that. And I'm not so sure the reasons have been completely debunked. Whereas with Tyreek Hill, the best receiver in the game, I think. With Kelsey, the best catching tight end in the game, I think. Yeah. With Andy Reid, the second best or best play caller with Sean Payton in the league. That's a kind of a setup that is so conducive to success. Then you add in the natural talent. And Mahomes' work ethic is good from what I hear. He's been great. But, man, oh, man, are we sure? Would you be that surprised if Andy Reid, if you heard an announcement that came out that said Andy Reid's decided to step away and support his family, would that be shocking to you? No. no. I mean, it's not likely, but it's not like, oh, my gosh. No, because I think the one thing that was escaping Andy Reid was that Super Bowl. He got it. So if he decided to step away for whatever reason, I guess that could make some sense. And if it's not just whatever reason, but rather, you know, one, you know, again, saying it with all respect, one son passes away from a drug overdose. And that was what now about has that been 10 years? Yeah. Or, or was it 2000? Yeah. A little over but, 10 but, years. Yeah, yeah, look that up, Mackenzie. Research, pregame.com. Is, and, and now, who again, I'm not sure the emotions, the distraction that Coach Reed had, how much it was, and I'm not judging how much it was feeling some responsibility for the innocent that was, you know, that's been, that was injured. And also his, you know, concern, legal jeopardy for his own boy. All that would make sense. But, boy, if there's ever a time to, to think, okay, maybe the fan. Because when you hear Urban Meyer talk about spending time with the fan, everyone knows that's BS, that, 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 that there's right. other reasons they're leaving. But if Andy Reid announced that, I would actually believe that that was the main reason because it kind of makes sense. Well, and also um, Gary Kubiak, when the Broncos won a Super Bowl, they came back the next year and then he stepped down. And it was because of health reasons. Well, Gary Kubiak's been back, I think, twice as an assistant elsewhere. He hasn't been a starting quarterback or a head coach, but he's been an assistant and he's been involved in coaching elsewhere. I've always felt that part of the reason why Gary Kubiak stepped away, not only just for health purposes, but I think he also understood what was happening in Denver and realized we don't have a quarterback and we don't have a plan to get a quarterback. And it's better to walk away now at the height of this whole thing than have to go through the rebuild and potentially get fired and be the blame for all the issues. Mm. See, I had heard, you know, again, through whatever, some reporting or maybe it was whispers, but, he, you know, him and Elway were just weren't getting along either to some degree. That could right? be true, too. Yeah. And so, but the funny thing about Kubiak, and I don't fully understand this, and McKenzie, who uh, is in research, but also is first cousins with Mike Shanahan. So we got a little, uh, or Kyle, I'm sorry, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, we got a little insight here. Is Kubiak, if I'm not mistaken, was really instrumental in that whole Shanahan system, right? 
Yeah, he was a backup quarterback for him in the 80s, and he was on his coaching staff, you know, throughout his almost all of his 15 years with the Broncos. Yeah, see, that's fascinating because sometimes you'll hear people refer to that tree, that offense as the Kubiak. So I'm not sure who gets what credit. But yeah. again, this is a guy that has had a great pedigree, like you said, and is now, you know, was a head coach, won it, and stepped down. But with Andy Reid, to close that point, we can act like it's not true. But Andy Reid's general fitness level is not typical for an NFL coach. When you look at him and you hear he's 63, it's like, really? You know, Nick Saban is, what, 69 or whatever, I think. So, in general, I know you've got a biological or you've got an age on your uh, birth certificate, but there's also the reality of the physical condition. And it strikes me that Andy Reid looks like he could use a rest much more than, let's say, Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to go down that road. Well, really? That's about, taboo yeah. to talk about that a guy no, is I, in great physical shape? I just th- – there's been a lot of people who maybe don't look the greatest, but they're physically fine. They're okay. You know, I mean – Oh, you know, here's – you drink like 50 gallons of water a day. <laughs> I do. So, I under do. that theory, why do you drink all that water? <laughs> I just love like, water. I agree I with you that if we were talking about he doesn't look good and we were talking about aesthetics, then it, it's kind of like why are we talking about about it but if it's about this guy probably does and it, you know we say the opposite right we say oh Pete Carroll's 70 or whatever but he look he's in great shape every his energy's up right we talk about that what is the over under on number of years Andy Reid's coach of the Chiefs for where would you put See, it? that's what's interesting I, I tell you this if get, someone gave me 10 to 1 or 7 to 1 that he's not coaching at the start of next year I think I might take it so really? I don't think it's likely but it's possible in fact it could be something that's been announced in the last few minutes. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. We're going to take our last break. Think about where the bar is. I say maybe Andy Reid's not in the best shape, and Jonas is like, I'm not going there. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see you with Howard Stern. I mean, <laughs> what a choir boy this guy is. When we come back, though, we're going to talk about player empowerment, but specifically Carson Wentz. He's under contract, but apparently he gets to decide where to go. Deshaun Watson just signed a contract. What does it mean for the sport? He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan, and live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio studios. Call Farmers today for a quote. And RJ, the story of the offseason, we are on Deshaun Watson watch, trying to figure out whether or not the Texans quarterback will be traded. Here is my statement of fact, I believe. If you disagree, let's see. Deshaun Watson currently is in the situation that is the least sympathetic to someone not honoring their contract. That the case that Deshaun Watson is justified is as weak as it could be. Now, why do I believe that? 
Well, one, Deshaun Watson just signed a record-breaking deal. Now, I get the idea that if a contract is five years, that somehow we've talked ourselves into that that shouldn't be honored. Even though the team has to honor, I've never seen a team decide not to pay someone per the contract. Now, I know those out there that you know don't think these things all the way through might say, well, wait, RJ, they can cut these players. That's the contract. That's the agreement that the team has the option to retain them or not, and the player doesn't. You know what? Kirk Cousins was able to negotiate a contract that he had pretty much all his money guaranteed. And you know what? So did um, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, probably, his contract's almost all guaranteed. So you can negotiate whatever you want, but when the deal, when you sign a deal, you know, a deal is a deal isn't some advanced concept. But we've gone past that. Somehow, if it's three or four years in, a five-year deal, we kind of accept maybe it's not valid anymore. Forget what the term is. It's not valid. Okay. How we did that, I don't know. But we did as a society. But if you haven't played a game since you signed the contract, and I think that's correct, then how in the world what's changed? Now we can say, well, he didn't like the coach, O'Brien. Well, the coach was already fired at that point, right? Well, he didn't like, you know, that they traded Hopkins. Well, uh, he was traded before he signed the deal. What's changed since he signed the deal? Jonas, I mean, not that you're Mr. Player, but what's the answer? I, this is this one has puzzled me the entire time. The number of people that are coming out defending Deshaun Watson and the argument against Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was there when he signed the contract, and he signed the he signed the contract. He was gone. At, you mean? No, no. But O'Brien was there. He was at the press conference before the season. Bill O'Brien was still the head coach. And Deshaun Watson, with tears in his eyes, thanked Bill O'Brien, thanked Jack Easterby, and thanked the McNair family. Thanked okay, so I'm seeing on my screen, Watson signed contract midseason, played the second half of the season after signing. Get the exact date on that. But, okay, I think O'Brien was still there. Yeah. But it, so, but, but it was just at the very end. So you're right about that. So the question is, are we saying, oh, he's mad because O'Brien left? Is, is that the situation? It doesn't make any sense. It's never made sense to me. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have a reason to be, let's say, upset if they promised him input and he didn't have it. I'm not saying he should be happy. I'm not saying he should be having birthday parties for the owner's son. What I'm saying is when you, the, the, the bar for breaking a legal contract before, you know, when you just signed it less than a year ago, shouldn't be, oh, you're a little upset that they haven't treated you exactly right. It's like the contract has terms in it. You either live up to it or you don't. And I warned us about two years ago, where does this end? And the bar keeps moving. And I'm going to ask the question again, where does it end that the player isn't in the right? Because it doesn't feel like we ever see that situation that the public thinks the player is wrong. He's wrong here. We are straight out of Vegas back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 